Welcome to tonight's Zoomcast on Isaiah's Prophecy, Chapter 50, The Fate of the Unfaithful Wife. And we will be reading tonight from uh, the Isaiah Institute's translation of Isaiah. Starting in verse 1. Thus says Jehovah, where is your mother's bill of divorce? With which I cast her out, or to which of my creditors did I sell you? Surely by sinning you have sold yourselves because of your crimes. Is your mother cast off? Now, there are two um, women who are espoused to Jehovah in Isaiah. There is the current wife who has become an idolatrous and a harlot. And there is the former wife who, through faithfulness and repentance, comes back. So this is the unfaithful wife who, co who qualifies for covenant cursings. Now, let's go to Isaiah 54. And... Verse 1, seeing O barren woman who did not give birth, break into jubilant song, you who were not in labor. The children of the deserted wife shall outnumber those of the espoused, says Jehovah. Here again, we have the establishment of the two women, the former wife and the current wife. The former wife comes back into a covenant relationship with her husband, the Lord. And the current wife qualifies for destruction, meaning just as in antiquity, the Jews of Christ's day qualified first to receive the fullness of the gospel before it could go to the entire world. And in the last days, the Latter-day Saints are as the Jews of Christ's day who qualify first to receive the fullness of the gospel. But what we find out in Isaiah is that just as the Jews, who as a whole rejected Christ and his gospel, so the Latter-day Saints today will also reject Christ and his gospel. And the, the imagery being that the espoused wife are the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they have become, as a harlot, uh, unfaithful and reject their God. While the forsaken wife, the scattered of Israel, you know, end up in a much greater percentage entering into the new and everlasting covenant and receiving the fullness of the gospel and therefore qualify not only for deliverance from destruction, but also from bondage and are gathered out on the Exodus. Now also verses four through 14. Be not fearful for you shall not be confounded. Be not ashamed for you shall not be disgraced. You shall forget the shame of your youth. This is speaking to <coughs> the unfaithful wife who qualifies 
to come back because she repents and returns. And so she becomes the espoused of Jehovah. Be not fearful, for you shall not be confounded. Be not ashamed, for you shall not be disgraced. You shall not forget the shame of your youth. Oh, you shall forget the shame of your youth. And remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For he who espouses you is your maker, whose name is Jehovah of hosts. He who redeems you is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. Jehovah calls you back as a spouse forsaken and forlorn, a wife married in youth only to be rejected, says your God. I forsook you indeed momentarily, but with loving compassion, I will gather you up. In fleeting exasperation, I hid my face from you, but with everlasting charity, I will have compassion on you, says Jehovah, who redeems you. This is to me as in the days of Noah. Then I swore that the waters of Noah would no more flood the earth. So I swear to have no more anger toward you, never again to rebuke you. For the mountain shall be removed and the hills collapse with shaking. But my charity toward you shall never be removed, nor my covenant of peace be shaken, says Jehovah, who has compassion on you. Poor wretch, tempest-tossed and disconsolate, I will lay antimony for your building stones and sapphires for your foundations. I will make your skylights of jasnath, your gates of carbuncle, and your entire bounty, boundary of precious stones. All your children shall be taught by Jehovah, and great shall be the peace of your posterity. You shall be firmly established through righteousness. And righteousness being a metaphor for the Lord's end-time servant, or in other words, I will commence a marvelous work and wonder, and I will send my servant to gather you out from the four corners of the earth, you who will enter into and keep covenant with your God. You shall be firmly established through righteousness, the end time servant. You'll be far from oppression and have no cause to fear, far from ruin, for it shall not approach you. Those who gather into mobs are not of me, Whoever masses against you shall fall because of you. It is I who create the smith who fans the flaming coals, forging weapons to suit his purpose. It is I who create the ravengers to destroy. Whatever weapon is devised against you, it shall not succeed. Every tongue that rises to accuse you, you shall refute. This is the heritage of the servants of Jehovah and such is their vindication by me, says Jehovah. Now, in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 16 through 28. Wash yourselves clean. Remove your wicked deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. <clears throat> Here, Jehovah is extending the hand to his people who have strayed from him. And he's calling them to repentance. He's calling them to come back to him. Learn to do good. Demand justice. Stand up for the oppressed. Plead the cause of the fatherless. Appeal on behalf of the widow. Come now, let us put it to the test, says Jehovah. 
Though your sins are as scarlet, they can be made white as snow. Though they have reddened as crimson, they may become white as wool. If you are willing and obey, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you are unwilling and disobey, you shall be eaten by the sword by his mouth, says Jehovah has spoken it. Now here, sword and mouth are metaphors for the staff in the Lord's left hand, the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, who wreaks destruction upon the face of the whole earth. And so God's people either qualify for deliverance or for destruction. How the faithful city has become a harlot. She, has, she was filled with justice. Righteousness made its abode in her, but now murderers. Righteousness also being a metaphor for the Lord's end-time servant, both in his first and in his second ministries. So we are talking specifically about the Lord's people. And that he sent his servant to them the first time that they might be reclaimed but they rejected the fullness of the gospel and have continued to stay hardened in their hearts. How the faithful city has become a harlot or how the establishment of Zion fell. You know, it was a cross-reference, DNC 101. Verse 43, and now I will show unto you a parable that you may know my will concerning the redemption of Zion. Now, there are three points that are implicit in the very title, the parable of the redemption of Zion. One, that Zion would be established, i.e., verse 21, the faithful city. Second, that Zion would fall. For can you redeem something that hasn't fallen or been ransomed? So the city has become a harlot. And number three, that Zion would be redeemed. Or the strength of the Lord's house from among the Lord's people would be gathered out and participate on an end-time exodus to establish New Jerusalem. Continuing in verse 21, she was filled with justice. Righteousness made its abode in her, but now murderers. So, again, righteousness made um, its abode in her. Or, I sent forth my servant to restore much of my gospel, as it says in 1 Nephi chapter 13. So, 1 Nephi chapter 13, uh, three quarters of the way through verse 34. I will be merciful unto the Gentiles in that day insomuch that I will bring forth unto them in mine own power much of my gospel. And why does it say much of my gospel instead of the fullness of my gospel? Because the saints rejected the fullness of the gospel and so had it taken from them. So Joseph was never able to finish the restoration. He merely laid the foundation. But as it's prophesied in DNC 101, would return before the second coming of Jesus Christ to finish the restoration and gather out God's people from the four corners of the earth. 
but now murderers. Or in other words, many of God's covenant people have descended to near the very lowest point on the spiritual scale. Their hands are filled with blood and they are murderers. Cross-referencing Ether, chapter 8. Moroni, seeing our day and crying out unto the members of the church. In verse 23, he says, Wherefore, O ye Gentiles, or Latter-day Saints, it is wisdom in God that these things should be shown unto you, that thereby you may repent of your sins and suffer not that these murderous combinations shall get above you. Now, Moroni previously dealt with political secret combinations. That's not what he's talking about in verses 23 and 24. He's talking about ecclesiastical office. Suffer not that these murderous combinations shall get above you in ecclesiastical office, which are built up to get power and gain, yea, the work Yea, even the work of destruction come upon you. Yea, even the sword of the justice of the eternal God shall fall upon you. To your overthrow and destruction, if you shall suffer these things to be. This is the espoused wife who qualifies for destruction. Because instead of entering into and keeping covenant with her God, she becomes a harlot and whores after other gods and even commits murders. Verse 24, then Moroni says, but when you see these things come among you, Latter-day Saints, awake. Wherefore the Lord commandeth you when you shall see these things come among you that ye shall awake to a sense of your awful situation because of the secret combination which shall be among you or woe be unto it because of the blood of them who have been slain. They cry from the dust for vengeance upon it and also upon those who build it up. Your silver, verse 22, has become dross. Your wine diluted with water. You know, silver <coughs> being a metaphor for God's covenant people who should have received their God and been true and faithful to him. But instead of doing that, they hardened their hearts and preferred to go down to destruction rather than to be clasped in the arms of Jesus. Then speaking of the leaders of the Latter-day Saints, your rulers are renegades, accomplices of robbers. With one accord, they love bribes and run after rewards. They do not dispense justice to the fatherless, nor does the widow's case come before them. Therefore, the Lord Jehovah of hosts, the valiant one of Israel, declares, woe to them. I will relieve me of my adversaries, avenge me of mine enemies. Cross-reference, DNC 101. Who are these enemies? Verse 46. 
Now the servants of the noblemen went and did as their Lord commanded them and planted the olive trees or began the gathering of Israel, proclaiming the fullness of the gospel, establishing the church during Joseph Smith's first ministry. And built a hedge round about, meaning they declared the doctrine of Christ and the people were receiving it with gladness and entering into covenant with their God. And set watchmen and began to build a tower. <clears throat> so initially, under Joseph Smith's first ministry, everything was going according to righteousness. However, we see that those who come after Joseph become lazy. Verse 47, and while they were yet laying the foundation thereof, they began to say among themselves, and what need hath my Lord of this tower? And consulted for a very long time, saying among themselves, what need hath my Lord of this tower, seeing this is a time of peace? And then we see that there is a strata who are not only lazy, but also wicked, turning to Babylon. Might not this money be given to the exchangers, for there is no need of these things. Money in this parable represents the exact same thing it does today. It is a store of effort and work and diligence. And instead of investing that effort, work, and diligence in building the tower or entering into the new covenant, receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and entering for the rest of the Lord. Time, effort, diligence, and work of leadership was invested in the great whore Babylon. But I will restore my hand over you and smelt away your dross as in a crucible and remove all your alloy. Verse 25 in Isaiah 1. That corresponds to DNC 101.55. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, this is the hand of the Lord being reestablished, or the return of the end time servant, who is endowed with power from on high to accomplish the work of God. Go and gather together the residue of my servants and take all the strength of my house, which are my warriors, my young men. They that are of middle age also among all my servants who are the strength of mine house, save those only whom I have appointed to tarry. Or in other words, gather out from among the Latter-day Saints, those with ears to hear and hearts to understand, those who will draw near to God, not only with their lips, but also with their hearts. And go ye straightway into the land of my vineyard, redeem my vineyard, for it is mine I have bought with money. Or in other words, I have engraven my people upon the palms of my hands. Therefore, get ye straightway to my land, break down the walls of mine enemies, throw down their tower, and scatter their watchmen. And inasmuch as they gather, they, the enemies, gather together against you, avenge me of mine enemies, that by and by I may come with the residue of mine house and possess the land. So who are these enemies? Verse 52. And now behold, the nobleman, the Lord of the vineyard, called upon his servants and said unto them, Why? What is the cause of this great evil? Ought ye not to have done even as I commanded you? And after ye had planted the vineyard and built the hedge round about and set watchmen upon the walls thereof and built the tower also and set a watchman upon the tower and watched for my vineyard and not have fallen asleep lest the enemy should come upon you. And behold, the watchman upon the tower would have seen the enemy while he was yet afar off. And then ye could have made ready and kept the enemy from breaking down the hedge thereof and saved my vineyard from the hands of the destroyer. 
And when we cross-reference that with 1 Nephi chapter 14, we find out that ecclesiastical leadership has joined with the great and abominable church and has dug a pit to destroy the members of the church. And these are the enemies. And it shall come to pass, 1 Nephi 14, verse 1, that if the Gentiles shall hearken unto the Lamb of God in that day, that he shall manifest unto them in word and also in power unto the, and, to, and in very deed unto the taking away of their stumbling blocks or the removal of the doctrine of Christ from their understanding and teaching and harden not their hearts against the Lamb of God. These would be the children of the espoused wife who do repent and return and therefore do not qualify to be cast off and destroyed. They shall be numbered among the seed of thy father, yea, they shall be numbered among the house of Israel. They shall be a blessed people upon the promised land forever. They shall no more be brought down into captivity, and the house of Israel shall no more be, no more be confounded. So we know clearly who we're talking about. We're talking about the Latter-day Saints in this very generation in which we now live. And that great pit which hath been digged for them, the Latter-day Saints, by that great and abominable church, the implication is that their ecclesiastical leadership has joined with the great and abominable church and has laid the plan for their destruction, which is founded by the devil and his children, that he might lead away the souls of men down to hell. Yea, that great pit which hath been digged for the destruction of men shall be filled by those who digged it unto their destruction. Saith the Lamb of God, not to the destruction of the soul, save it be the casting of it into that hell which hath no end. Verse 7. For the time cometh, saith the Lamb of God, that I will work a great and marvelous work among the children of men, a work which shall be everlasting either on the one hand or on the other, either to the convincing them unto peace and life eternal unto, or unto the deliverance of them to the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds, unto their being brought down into captivity and, un, and also into destruction, both temporally and spiritually, according to the captivity of the devil of which I have spoken. With his great and marvelous work and a wonder commences when the end time servant comes on the scene, gathers out the strength of the Lord's house from among the Latter-day Saints, leads the end time exodus, and then commences gathering out Israel from the four corners of the earth. Verse 25 again in Isaiah 1. I will restore my hand or my end time servant will return. Restore my hand refers to the fact that he has both a first and a second ministry over you and smelt away your dross as in a crucible and remove all your alloy. Well, back to DNC 101. Verse, verses 64 through 66. That the work of the gathering together of my saints may continue that I may build them up unto my name upon holy places for the time of harvest is come and my word must needs be fulfilled. Or in other words, I restore my hand over you and smelt away my dross as in a crucible and remove all your alloy. Therefore, I must gather together the people according to the parable of the wheat and the tares that the wheat may be secured in the garners to possess eternal life and be crowned with celestial glory when I shall come in the kingdom of my father to reward every man according as his work shall be while the tares shall be bound in bundles, their bands made strong that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. 
I will restore your judges, verse 26, as at the first. Who are these judges and counselors? Well, let's go to DNC 88. Verse 74. And I give unto you who are the first labors in this last kingdom, a commandment that you shall assemble yourselves together and organize yourselves and prepare yourselves and sanctify yourselves and purify your hearts and cleanse your hands and your feet before me, that I may make you clean. And verse 80 that ye may be prepared in all things when I shall send you again, i.e. in a second ministry, when Joseph Smith will return to finish the restoration and gather out the strength of my house. Whereunto I have called you and the mission with which I have commissioned you. Verse 84, therefore tarry ye and labor diligently that you may be perfected in your ministry to go forth among the Gentiles for the last time. Well, for the last time, is this restoring your judges as at the first and your counselors as in the beginning. After this, you shall be called the city of righteousness, a faithful city, because the strength of your house will be gathered out. That you may be perfected in your ministry to go forth among the Gentiles for the last time. As many as the mouth of the Lord shall name to bind up the law and seal up the testimony and to prepare the saints for the hour of judgment, which is to come for that their souls may escape the wrath of God, the desolation of abomination, which awaits the wicked, both in this world and in the world to come. And that is what we're reading about in DNC 101. Verse 66, while the tares shall be bound in bundles, their bands made strong that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. Or I will restore Isaiah chapter 1, verse 25. I will store my hand over you and smelt away your dross as in a crucible and remove all your alloy. Or in other words, I will separate the wheat from the tares. The wheat I will deliver from destruction and bondage and the tares I will destroy. The, the tares are the espoused wife who becomes a harlot. And Isaiah 5, verses 24 through 25. As a blazing fire consumes stubble, and as dry weeds wane before the flame, so shall their roots decay away and their blossoms fly up like dust. For they have despised the law of Jehovah of hosts and reviled the words of the Holy One of Israel. Well, who has the law of Jehovah? Who are the only ones who have the capacity to revile his words? Well, to those who have received it, to the espoused wife, to the Latter-day Saints. Therefore, the anger of Jehovah is kindled against his people. He draws back his hand against them and strikes them. The mountains quake and their corpses lie like litter about the streets. Yet for all this, his anger is not abated. His hand is still upraised. And how is this destruction accomplished? By the hand of the king of Assyria, king of Babylon. 
Isaiah 9, verses 13 through 20. But the people do not turn back to him who smites them, nor will they inquire of Jehovah of hosts, i.e., DNC 45. And when the times of the Gentiles is come in, a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness, and it shall be the fullness of my gospel. But they receive it not, for they perceive not the light, and they turn their hearts from me because of the precepts of men. And in that day, and in that generation, shall the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be men standing in that generation that shall not pass until they shall see an overflowing scourge. For a desolating sickness shall cover the land. Verse 13. But the people do not turn back. Even though they are requiring the Lord to compel them to be humble, yet they will not, even as they are driven to the dust, soften their hearts and prefer to harden their hearts and be destroyed rather than to soften them and repent and return. But the people do not turn back to him who smites them, nor will they inquire of Jehovah the, of hosts. Therefore, Jehovah will cut them off, cut off from Israel, head and tail, palm top and reed in a single day. You know, palm top and reed referring to Egypt or the United States of America where his people are headquartered, head and tail, both political and religious leadership, in a single day, when the dominoes start to fall, they will fall in a catastrophic manner. The elders or notables are the head, the prophets who teach falsehoods, the tail. The leaders of these people have misled them, and those who are led are confused. It says the same thing back in DNC 45, verse 29. But they, the members of the church, receive it not. What's it? Verse 28, the fullness of the gospel. For they perceive not the light, and they turn their hearts from me because of the precepts of men. Because... The prophets teach falsehoods. And the prophets have misled them, as it says in Isaiah 9, verses 15 and 16. Isaiah 47. 8 through 15. Now, therefore, hear this, O pampered lady, this is the espoused wife who becomes a harlot. Now, therefore, hear this, O pampered lady. And this is talking about the Latter-day Saints. Securely enthroned, thinking to herself, I exist. And other than me, there is nothing. I shall not be widowed or bereaved of children. Bereavement and widowhood shall suddenly overtake you both in one day. They shall come upon you in full, notwithstanding your many magical feats and exceedingly strong combinations. What, what did we read in Ether, chapter 8?
suffer not, verse 23, these murderous combinations shall get above you. Notwithstanding, back in Isaiah 47, verse 9, notwithstanding your many magical feats and exceedingly strong combinations, secure in your wickedness, you thought no one discerns me. By your skill and science, you were led astray, thinking, thinking to yourself, I exist, and there is none besides me. Catastrophe shall overtake you, which you shall not know how to avert by bribes. Disaster shall befall you from which you cannot ransom yourself, there shall come upon you sudden ruin, such as you have not imagined. Persist then with your combinations and with your many magical feats at which you have exerted yourself since your youth. It may still be of use to you. Perhaps you can hinder it, but you are powerless despite all your tactics. Now let those who unravel the heavens who observe the stars and make predictions month by month, stand by you and save you. See, as stubble, they are burnt up in the fire, unable themselves to escape the hand of the flame. This is the abomination of desolation, which begins in the Lord's own house or among his own people, among Latter-day Saints. These are no embers to warm anyone. Such is fire to sit by. This is what your procurers have profited you or those false priests whose word you accept as the word of God, even though they speak not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. This is what your procurers have profited you, those for whom you have exerted yourself since your youth. Each deviates his own way. None is there to save you. Cross-reference 2 Nephi 28. Verse 6. Verse 26. Yea, woe be unto him that hearkeneth unto the precepts of men, and denieth the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 31. Cursed is he that putteth his trust in man, or maketh flesh his arm, or, or shall hearken unto the precepts of men, save their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. Because if... A man speaks by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. It is not his own words that he speaks. It's the words of God. But men who speak not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost speak their own words. And God's people must be able to discern the difference. And Isaiah 57. 7 through 13. On a lofty mountain, you have made prominent your bed. And this is the X rated portion of tonight's Isaiah discussion. On a lofty mountain, you have made prominent your bed. And there you ascend to offer sacrifices. Behind doors and facades, you have put up your emblems and have exposed yourself to others than I. Mounting your bed, you have laid it wide open, and you bargain with those with whom you love to lie, your hand on their nakedness. You bathe with oils for the king and increase your perfumes. You send your solicitors far abroad. You debase yourself to the depths. 
Though wearied by your excessive ways, you have not admitted despair. You have found livelihood and therefore have not slackened. Yet on whose account are you uneasy and apprehensive that you pretend and do not mention me, nor even give me a thought? Is it because I have so long kept silent that you no longer fear me? But I will expose your fornication and the wantonness of your exploits. When you cry out in distress, let those who flock to save you. A wind shall carry all of them off. A vapor shall take them away. Or they will be destroyed by the king of Assyria, king of Babylon. Again, this is the espoused wife who becomes a harlot. But they seek refuge in, but they who seek refuge in me shall possess the earth and receive an inheritance in my holy mountain. When you cry out in distress, let those who flock to you save you. It will be said, excavate, pave a road, prepare the way, remove the obstacle from the path of my people. Thus says he who is highly exalted, who abides forever, whose name is sacred. I dwell on high in the holy place. And with him who is humble and lowly in spirit, or who offers up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, and offer and enters into the covenant that I extend to them. Refreshing the spirits of the lowly, receiving the hearts of the humble. <clears throat> or in other words, I will baptize those with fire and with the Holy Ghost. By his sin of covetousness, I was provoked. I struck him and hid my face in anger when he strayed by following the ways of his heart. Yet I have seen his conduct and I will heal him. This is the estranged wife um, who comes back into favor with the Lord because these are the people who are willing to repent and return and enter into covenant with their God. Yet I have seen his conduct and I will heal him. I will guide him and amply console him and those who mourn for him, who partake of the fruit of the lips, peace, well-being, to those far off and to those who are near, says Jehovah, who heals him. And First Nephi 14. Verse 7. For the time cometh, saith the Lamb of God, that I will work a great and marvelous work among the children of men, a work which shall be everlasting either on the one hand or on the other either to convincing them unto peace and life eternal or unto deliverance of them to the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds, unto their being brought down into captivity and also into destruction, both temporally and spiritually according to the captivity of the devil of which I have spoken. And verse 17. And when the day cometh that the wrath of God is poured out upon the mother of harlots, which is the great and abominable church of all the earth, whose founder is the devil, then at that day the work of the Father shall commence in preparing the way for the fulfilling of his covenants, which he hath made to his people who are the house of Israel. And back to DNC 45. Verse 24. And this I have told you concerning Jerusalem. And when that day shall come, shall the remnant be scattered among all nations. 
and they shall be gathered again, but they shall remain until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So if we go back to 1 Nephi 14, verse 17. And when the day cometh that the wrath of God is poured out upon the mother of harlots, which is the great and abominable church of all the earth, whose founder is the devil, then at that day the work of the Father shall commence. So this is when the day of the Gentiles is fulfilled, the abomination of desolation begins among those in the Lord's own house who will not receive the end-time servant, nor the fullness of the gospel, nor enter into and keep covenant with their God. And as the tares are destroyed, <coughs> the wheat is gathered out. And once the wheat is gathered out, the exodus commences, Zion is established, then the gathering of Israel from the four corners of the earth commences. But they shall be gathered again, but they shall remain until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And in that day shall be heard of wars and rumors of wars, and the whole earth shall be in commotion. And men's hearts shall fail them, and they shall say that Christ delayeth his coming until the end of the earth. Because the environment becomes so severe that it doesn't seem that any flesh could survive. And again, back to 1 Nephi 14, verse 17. And when the day cometh that the wrath of God is poured out upon the mother of harlots, which is the great and abominable church of all the earth whose founder is the devil, then at that day the work of the Father shall commence in preparing the way for the fulfilling of his covenants which he hath made to his people who are of the house of Israel. And what are those covenants? That they will be gathered out from destruction and from bondage and will be taken to New Jerusalem. And Isaiah 50, verse 2. Why was no one there when I came? Why did no one answer when I called? Now, again, God is talking to his covenant people who reject him or to the espoused wife who becomes a harlot. Why was no one there when I came? Why did no one answer when I called? Was my hand too short to redeem you? Have I no power to deliver by a mere rebuke, I dry up the sea. Rivers, I turn into desert. Their fish become parched for lack of water and perish because of thirst. Second Nephi 38, 32. Woe be unto the Gentiles, or members of the church, saith the Lord of hosts. For notwithstanding, I shall lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day, or the end time servant, in both the first and second ministry. They will deny me. Nevertheless, I will be merciful unto them, saith the Lord God, if they will repent and come unto me. This is in Joseph Smith's second ministry. For mine arm, my servant, 
is lengthened out all the day long, saith the Lord God of hosts. Or Isaiah 50, verse 2. Was my hand too short to redeem you? Have I no power to deliver? The obvious answer is, of course. And I sent rescuers to rescue you, but you would not. Their fish become parched for lack of water and perish because of thirst. And again, DNC 45. And when the time of the Gentiles is come in, a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness, and it shall be the fullness of my gospel. This is the return of the servant. But they receive it not. For they perceive not the light, and they turn their hearts from me because of the precepts of men, because of the teachings of false prophets and priests. And in that generation shall the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be men standing in that generation that shall not pass until they shall see an overflowing scourge. For a desolating sickness shall cover land, but my disciples shall stand in holy places and shall not be moved, but among the wicked men shall lift up their voices, curse God, and die. And Isaiah 65. 11 through 15. As for you who forsake Jehovah, and again, you can't forsake someone that you haven't been in a relationship with. God is talking to his covenant people. These are the Latter-day Saints. For you Latter-day Saints who forsake Jehovah, because parenthetically speaking, you've been taught by the precepts of men and you accept as doctrine that which is declared not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost but that which the power and authority of the Holy Ghost condemns. As for you who forsake Jehovah and forget my holy mountain, who spread tables for luck and pour mixed wines for fortune, I will destine you to the sword, and all of you shall succumb to the slaughter. For when I called you, you did not respond. And that calling comes through the end-time servant. When I spoke, you would not give heed. You did what was evil in my eyes. You chose to do what was not my will. Therefore, this says my Lord Jehovah, my servants. And who are these servants? Remember DNC 88, the first labors in the last kingdom? Remember DNC 101, verse 55? The Lord said unto one of his servants, go and gather the residue of my servants, i.e. the first laborers in the last kingdom, who qualified to return with Joseph for his second ministry. My servant shall eat indeed, verse 13. Isaiah 65, while you shall hunger. My servant shall drink indeed, while you shall thirst. My servant shall rejoice indeed, while you shall be dismayed. My servant shall shout indeed for gladness of heart, while you shall cry out with heartbreak howling, from brokenness of spirit because you chose to harden your hearts and you would not repent in return. Your name shall be left to serve my chosen ones as a curse when my Lord Jehovah slays you. But his servants 
you will call by a different name. Or just as Jacob, as he ascended up the spiritual ladder, received the new name Israel, so will those who serve the true God and will draw close to him with not only with their lips, but also with their hearts. They will also receive a new name. <clears throat> what is the first new name that we receive? What's the name of Jesus Christ? At that formal adoption ceremony, the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, when he extends for the first time his name to us. And we take upon ourselves a greater sonship and daughtership to Jesus Christ when we enter into his rest, which rest is the fullness of his glory. And Isaiah 66, <clears throat> verses four through six. So will I prescribe intrigues for them and bring upon them the thing they dread. For when I called, no one responded. Well, who does the Lord call? He calls his people. For when I called, no one responded. Or in other words, DNC 45. And when the time of the Gentiles is come in, a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness, and it shall be the fullness of the guys, my gospel, but they receive it not. So will I prescribe intrigues for them and bring upon them the thing they dread. And see, or Isaiah 66, 4. For when I called, no one responded. When I spoke, no one gave heed. They did what was evil in my eyes. They chose to do what was not my will. Or instead of taking the Holy Spirit as their guide, <laughs> taking the Holy Spirit as their guide, finding the truth and not being deceived. As we read in DNC 45, verses 56 and 57, and at that day, when I shall come in my glory, shall the parable be fulfilled, which I spake concerning the ten virgins. For they that are wise and have received the truth and have taken the Holy Spirit for their guide and have not been deceived, verily I say unto you, they shall not be hewn down and cast into the fire, but shall abide the day. And the foolish virgins do not abide the day. They did evil. What was evil in my eyes? They chose to do what was not my will. Hear the word of Jehovah, you who are vigilant for his word, your brethren who abhor you and exclude you because of my name. Say, let Jehovah manifest his glory that we may see the cause, that we may see cause for your joy. But it is they who shall suffer his shame. Or in other words, those who fill the great and spacious building are those among the Latter-day Saints who receive not the light when it breaks forth among them. And they point and they wag fingers at those who are on the straight and narrow path to see if they can shame them from their course of reaching the tree who is Christ. And Isaiah 11, 
verses 15 and 16. Jehovah will dry up the tongue of the Egyptian sea by his mighty wind. He will extend his hand over the river and smite it into seven streams to provide a way on foot. And there shall be a pathway out of Assyria for the remnant of his people who shall be left. As there was for Israel when it came up from the land of Egypt, or in other words, there shall be an end time exodus, just as the Lord declares in DNC 103. Verse 15, behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Therefore, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. For ye are the children of Israel and the seed of Abraham. He must needs be led out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm. And as your fathers were led at first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. Therefore, let not your hearts faint, for I say not unto you, as I said unto your fathers, mine angel shall go up before you, but not my presence. But I say unto you, mine angel shall go up before you, and also my presence, and in time you shall possess the goodly land. Who is this man like unto Moses? Verse 21. Verily, verily, I say unto you, my servant Joseph Smith Jr. is the man to whom I liken the servant. So back in 15. The redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Okay, Isaiah imagery for the redemption of Zion is going to be accomplished through his servant. Therefore, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel, or a man who shall lead an end time exodus precisely as Moses led the children of Israel on an exodus out of Egypt. For ye are the children of Israel and the seed of Abraham. Ye must mean, needs be led out of bondage. Well, what is this bondage? Remember in 1 Nephi 14, when the stumbling block is taken away from those that sit in darkness, and it shall be the fullness of my gospel. The end of verse 2. And they, the Latter-day Saints, who accept the fullness of the gospel, shall no more be brought down into captivity. Well, there are two captivities that Nephi is talking about, both a spiritual captivity and a physical captivity. We are already in that spiritual captivity because the fullness of the gospel was removed from the teachings of the church. The new and everlasting covenant. How many of us understand that the new and everlasting covenant is what is outlined in DNC section 22? Not DNC 132. Chapter summary, DNC 22. Baptism is a new and everlasting covenant. Authoritative baptism is required. Water, fire, Holy Ghost. Behold, I say unto you that all old covenants have a cause to be done away in this thing. And this is the new, this is a new and everlasting covenant, even that which was from the beginning. So this is a new and everlasting covenant, even that which was from the beginning. And what are the requirements to enter into this new and everlasting covenant of water and fire and the Holy Ghost? Well, <clears throat> here are the requirements for water baptism. DNC section 20, verse 37, and again by way of commandment to the church concerning the manner of baptism. All those who humble themselves before God and desire to be baptized and come forth with broken hearts and contrite spirits. So 
if you have a desire to be baptized and you're willing to witness before God and man that you are willing to do anything required to come to a broken heart and contrite spirit that you might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and witness before the church that they have truly repented of all their sins. And the finish of that train of thought is actually at the end of the verse. And truly manifest by the works that they have received of the spirit of Christ unto the remission of their sins. So as we ask the Lord, Heavenly Father, what would you have me repent of? How have I offended you? What do you require at my hand? He will reveal precisely what we are to repent of. And once we have truly repented with the help of the Spirit, and our soul hungers and we have expressed godly sorrow, because at a bare minimum, we have offended our God because we have not hearkened sufficiently to the voice of His Spirit, and we have not acted immediately when He has instructed us. And thus we have desperate need to repent, in addition to all of the other things that we normally think of as needing to repent. Then we will receive a concentrated portion of the light of Christ sufficient that we might receive a sanctification unto the remission of our sins. And this happens before water baptism under the authority of the Melchizedek priesthood. And are willing to take upon them the name of Jesus Christ. For after water baptism into the fullness of the gospel, it should be noticed by those who associate with you that you are, in fact, a disciple of Jesus Christ, having a determination to serve him to the end. Are you willing to stand as a witness of Jesus Christ at all times and all things and all places that you may be in, even to the end of your life, even if it costs you your life, even if it costs you your family, even if it costs you your reputation, your fortune? When you're ready to do all these things, you are ready for water baptism into the fullness of the gospel. And to commence that process of receiving whatever is required, that you might receive the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. Going back to section 22. Behold, I say unto you that all old covenants have I caused to be done away in this thing. This new and everlasting covenant of baptism of water and fire and the Holy Ghost. And this is a new and everlasting covenant, even that which was from the beginning. That which was from the beginning, let's go to Moses chapter 6. Verse 64. And it came to pass that when the Lord had spoken with Adam, our father, that Adam cried unto the Lord and was caught away by the spirit of the Lord and was carried down into the water and was laid under the water and was brought forth out of the water. And thus he was baptized, and the Spirit of God descended upon him, and thus he was born of the Spirit and became quickened in the inner man. There are a few individuals who, when they're ready to receive the baptism of water into the fullness of the gospel, are also ready to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the ghost, but that is not the case for most, but it was the case for Adam. And he heard a voice out of heaven saying, Thou art baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost. This is the record of the Father and the Son from henceforth and forever. 
See, here's the part, even that which was from the beginning. And thou art after the order of him who was without beginning of days or end of years from all eternity to all eternity. For he had received a new name, even the name of Jesus Christ, as he was adopted as his son. Behold, thou art one in me, a son of God, and thus may all become my sons. Amen. Isaiah 50. Verse 4. My Lord Jehovah has endowed me with a learned tongue. That I may know how to preach to those grown weary a word to wake them up. Morning by morning, he wakens my ear to hear as at study. <clears throat> this is the Lord, or this is the end time servant speaking about how he has been endowed with a learned tongue, that he might know how to preach to those grown weary, a word to wake them up. Well, the Latter-day Saints are in a deep sleep. They need to be awakened. Or in JST Genesis 50 and in first or in Second Nephi chapter 3, that I may know how to preach a word to wake them up, the phrase unto the convincing them of the word which shall have already gone forth among them. Let's go to 2 Nephi 3. Verse 11. But a seer will I raise up out of the fruit of thy loins, Joseph in Egypt. And unto him will I give power to bring forth my word unto the seed of thy loins. The loins of Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh. And not to the bringing forth my word only, saith the Lord, but unto the convincing them of my word, which shall have already gone forth among them. Talking about Joseph in his second ministry regarding the word which shall have already gone forth among them via his first ministry. Or my Lord Jehovah has endowed me with a learned tongue that I may know how to preach to those grown weary, a word to wake them up. Morning by morning, he wakens my ear to hear as at study. My Lord Jehovah has opened my ear, and I rebel not nor back away. And in JST Genesis 50, verses 30 through 33. And again, a seer will I raise up out of the fruit of thy loins. Okay. This is the prophecy that Lehi was quoting in 2 Nephi chapter 3. So the loins of Joseph in Egypt. And unto him will I give power to bring forth my word 
unto the seed of thy loins, and not to the bringing forth of my word only, saith the Lord, but to the convincing them of my word, which shall have already gone forth among them in the last days. Wherefore, the fruit of thy loins shall write, and the fruit of the loins of Judah shall write, and that which they shall be written by the fruit of thy loins, and also that which shall be written by the fruit of the loins of Judah, shall grow together unto the confounding of false doctrines, and the laying down of contentions, and establishing peace among the fruit of thy loins, and bringing them to a knowledge of their fathers in the latter days, and also to a knowledge of my covenant, saith the Lord. Well, when does this growing together of the fruit of the loins of Joseph and of Judah come together? In the last days, unto the convincing the world who will receive it of the fullness of the gospel. Well, First Nephi chapter 13. Verse 39, and after it had come forth unto them, I beheld other books, which came forth by the power of the Lamb from the Gentiles unto them. This is talking about Joseph Smith's second ministry. And the books of scripture that he will yet bring forth. And the remnant of the seed of my brethren and also the Jews who were scattered upon all the face of the earth. That the records of the prophets and the twelve apostles of the Lamb are true. So the end time servant, when he returns, he brings with him the record of the prophets or the translation of the brass plates, the Old Testament, unadulterated. And also the record of the 12 apostles, the full record of the New Testament. And then they stand hand in hand with the Book of Mormon and Doctrine Covenants unto the convincing of the whole world that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Eternal Father. And the doctrine of Christ is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or in other words, in verse 40, and the angel spake unto me, saying, These last records which thou hast seen among the Gentiles shall establish the truth of the first, which are the twelve apostles of the Lamb, and shall make known the plain and precious things which have been taken away from them, and shall make known to all kindreds, tongues, and people, that the Lamb of God is the Son of the Eternal Father, the Savior of the world, and that all men must come unto him, or they cannot be saved. And how do we come unto him? Third Nephi chapter 9. Verse 17, and as many as have received me, receiving him is coming unto him. To them have I given to become the sons of God. And verse 20, and ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and contrite spirit, him will I baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. This is how he instructs us to come unto him. And it matters if we try to come unto him by any other way. That is going after our own God. Verse 41 again in 1 Nephi 13. We're finishing up in verse 40. And that all men must come unto him, i.e. by offering up the sacrifice of broken heart and contrite spirit, that they might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is a bare minimum, means laying everything upon the altar and specifically and individually receiving by revelation that which is required of us individually to enter into and offer up that sacrifice, that we may become his sons and daughters. And they must come according to the words which shall be established by the mouth of the Lamb. And the words of the Lamb shall be made known in the records of thy seed. Book of Mormon, 
as well in the records of the 12 apostles. Well, we have a small fraction of that in our current New Testament, but we're going to be receiving a much fuller record. Wherefore, they both shall be established in one. For there is one God and one shepherd over all the earth. And the time cometh that he shall manifest himself unto all nations, both unto the Jews and also unto the Gentiles. And after he has manifest himself unto the Jews and also unto the Gentiles, then he shall manifest himself unto the Gentiles and also unto the Jews. And the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And the first shall be last. So back to JST Genesis 15. At the end of verse 30. But to the convincing them of my word, which shall have already gone forth among them in the last days. Wherefore, the fruit of thy loins shall write, and the fruit of the loins of Judah shall write, and that which shall be written by the fruit of thy loins, and that which shall be written by the fruit of the loins of Judah, shall grow together under the confounding of false doctrines and laying down of contentions and establishing peace among the fruit of thy loins, and bringing them to a knowledge of their fathers in the latter days, and also to the knowledge of my covenant, saith the Lord. That's what we just read about in First Nephi 13, verses 39 through 42, that the end time servant, when he returns with the record of the 12 apostles and the record of the prophets, those will stand hand in hand with the doctrine and covenants, or at least most of the doctrine and covenants having removed any parts which were altered and the book of Mormon unto the confounding of false doctrine and offering people the true and everlasting gospel of the Son, even the doctrine of Christ. And verse 32 in JST Genesis 50, and out of weakness shall he, the end time servant, be made strong in that day when my work shall go forth among all my people, which shall restore them who are the house of Israel in the last days. And that seer will I bless and they that seek to destroy him shall be confounded. For this promise I give unto you, for I will remember you from generation to generation. And his name shall be called Joseph, and it shall be after the name of his father. And he shall be like unto you, for the thing which the Lord shall bring forth by his hand shall bring my people unto salvation. And... DNC 85, verse 7. And it shall come to pass that I, the Lord God, will send one mighty and strong, holding the scepter of power in his hand, clothed with light for a covering, whose mouth shall utter words, eternal words. While his bowels shall be a fountain of truth to set in order the house of God, you do not have to set in order something that is not severely out of order. And to arrange by lot the inheritances of the saints whose names are found and the names of their fathers and of their children enrolled in the book of the law of God. And we read about this in Revelation chapter 22.
verse 17 of Revelation 22. And the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. Verse 19, and if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in his book. Or in other words, what is required to be written in the Lamb's book of life are the same requirements to enter into the holy city, which is New Jerusalem. And that is to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and also enter into the rest of the Lord. When we enter into the rest of the Lord, then are we written in the Lamb's book of life. And Isaiah 59. One through two. Surely Jehovah's hand has not become too short to save, nor his ear dull of hearing. It is your iniquities that separate you from your God. Your sins hide his face so that he does not hear you. Again, <coughs> speaking to God's covenant people who he extends his hand to via the end time servant to save them but they perceive not the light for they turn their hearts from God because their hearts are set upon the precepts of men which are given not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost And first Nephi thirteen. Verse thirty two. Neither will the Lord God suffer that the Gentiles shall forever remain in that awful state of blindness which thou beholdest they are in because of the plain and most precious parts of the gospel of the lamb, which have been kept back by that great and abominable church whose formation thou hast seen. Now this has two references, both to the Gentile nation and Gentile countries of the world or the Christian nation who know not of the doctrine of Christ because it was removed from the Old Testament by the Deuteronomist and from the New Testament by the Catholic Church and is restored in the pages of the Book of Mormon. And also to the Latter-day Saints of our generation who know not of the doctrine of Christ because Brigham Young replaced the new and everlasting covenant of baptism of water and fire in the Holy Ghost and offering up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit 
with plural marriage, which is not the new and everlasting covenant, as DNC 132 purports, which Joseph Smith did not author. And verse 37 in First Nephi 13. And blessed are they who shall seek to bring forth my Zion at that day. At that day, we're talking about the coming on the scene of the end time servant. For they shall have the gift and power of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because after 175 years, the heavens are open again, and it's possible again to receive that gift, which it has not been possible until the servant would open again the heavens. And if they endure unto the end, they shall be lifted up at the last day, and they shall be saved in the everlasting kingdom of the Lamb. And whoso shall publish peace, ye tidings of great joy, how beautiful upon the mountains shall they be. Again, quoting from Isaiah. And back to Isaiah 50. Verse 3. I clothe the heavens with the blackness of mourning. I put up sackcloth to cover them. Um, or in other words, the Lord allows through the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, for the destruction and desolation of the earth. My Lord Jehovah has endowed me with a learned tongue. Okay, the end time servant is speaking. That I may know how to preach to those grown weary a word to wake them up. Or in other words, unto the convincing of my word, which shall have already gone forth among them, 2 Nephi chapter 3 and JST Genesis 50. Morning by morning, he wakens my ear to hear. As at study, my Lord Jehovah has opened my ear, and I rebel not nor back away. I offered my back to the smiters, my cheek to those who pluck out the beard. I hid not my face from insult and from spitting. Think back to Joseph Smith's first ministry, where he qualified for his second, where he came as a lamb. But in his second ministry, he comes back as a warrior and as a lion. Because my Lord Jehovah helps me, I shall not be disgraced. I have set my face like flint, knowing I shall not be confounded. He who vindicates me is near me. Who has a dispute with me? Let us face one another. Who will bring charges against me? Let him confront me with them. See, my Lord Jehovah sustains me. Who then will incriminate me? Surely all such shall wear out like a garment. The moth shall consume them. Who among you fears Jehovah and heeds the voice of his servant? Who, though he walk in the dark, have no light, trusts in the name of Jehovah and relies on his God? But you are lighters of fires, all of you, who illuminate with mere sparks. Walk then by the light of your fires and by the sparks you have kindled. This shall you have from my hand you shall lie down in agony. Or in other words, God's people who reject his end time servant because as Nephi declares in 2 Nephi 28, 
Verse 27. Yea, woe be unto him that saith we have received and we need no more. Verse 29. Woe be unto him that shall say we have received the word of God and we need no more the word of God for we have enough. Well, Isaiah is saying that portion of the word of God that they already have is a mere spark. Um, in contrast with the raging forest fire that is extended to them. And their mere spark will not save them. And thus they choose to go down to destruction. And the very last line of verse 11 in Isaiah 50, you shall lie down in agony. But it is my testimony that it need not come to that if we will receive the fullness of the gospel with gladness of heart, if we will enter into the new covenant, offer up as a sacrifice our broken hearts and contrite spirits, and be willing to endure the fire which is coming, and stand as a witness of Jesus Christ at all times and all things and all places that we might be in, even if it cost us our very lives we may gain life which is eternal and go forth into the millennium and enter into the rest of our Lord and our God. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.